Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Jenna Ellis Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. My good friend Mike Lindell, as you know, is a sponsor of the Jenna Ellis Show. And his latest offer is for the My Pillow towels. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and lotiony in the stores, but you get them home and they just don't absorb very well. Mike Lindell at My Pillow found that around 2006, towels actually changed forever. They started importing them and adding softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel good, but they just didn't work. So he found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft, but actually work. We all love stuff that works. And they are all made in the USA with cotton and they come with the MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. So right now for a six-piece set, which is two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths, regularly $109.99, now only $39.99. I have several packages of these. I love them. They come in a variety of colors. So definitely go and get that today. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels, but you have to enter the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A. Or you can call one 800 564 8475 for the great radio specials. Mention your promo code Jenna and go to mypillow.com. And of course, we all want to support Mike Lindell because he's such a great American as well. Happy Monday, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis, and today we need to have a discussion about federalism. What is federalism and why is the left blatantly ignoring it? Well, of course, they're ignoring the principles embedded in the U.S. Constitution and the entire text at large because they don't like specific outcomes that the Supreme Court has given. This has been the most incredible term in probably the last 50 or 60 years of the Supreme Court because the majority is finally returning to this principle of federalism. So you've probably been following all of the fallout from the Dobbs opinion and the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And the big news, of course, out of the Supreme Court today is that the court upheld the right of a football coach to engage in private prayer at the 50-yard line of a football game after the game. And they overturned uh, what has been known as the lemon test and basically said that the establishment clause of the Constitution uh, does not require that 
the that private citizens and even those who are state employees don't engage in their faith. And they basically took a sledgehammer to the quote unquote wall of separation of church and state. So if you've been following this show at all, you know that um, I have been advocating for years that the separation of church and state is totally a myth. It's a doctrine that an activist Supreme Court has perpetuated uh, through the last 50 and 60 years of American jurisprudence. And also Roe versus Wade and its progeny uh, have also been the result of judicial activism. And so what is the state of our constitution? If you look at the leftists, you would think that uh, we just have this remarkably uh, different society today <laughs> than we did you know, five minutes ago. And the only reason for that is because they refuse to acknowledge the principles that are in our U.S. Constitution in the actual text. So I think we need to have a conversation about federalism. What is federalism? Well, we talk about uh, the the federalist structure, which is basically that we have a federal government, but we also have a state and local government. And if you actually look at the text of the Constitution and understand that we have two very key things, a separation of powers and also specific limited powers to the federal government and also to the states, then we start understanding what the Constitution is in context. So when the leftists are trying to say that abortion is a right and the Supreme Court eradicated or ended a right, and now this goes back to the states and, oh no, this is just because we have a conservative majority that uh, President Trump installed on the court, now they are ending certain constitutional rights. Well, that is not at all what the court said. The court said that the Constitution does not grant a right to abortion. And that's true because guess what? The Constitution doesn't actually grant any rights. Our Declaration of Independence that we're about to celebrate next week on the 4th of July has a beautiful statement that provides the founding principles and the mandate to the Constitution for the premise of the founding of our country. Our founders acknowledged we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by God, our creator, not our government, with unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then they went on to acknowledge that government is instituted among men for the sole legitimate purpose to preserve and protect the rights that God gives us. The Constitution doesn't actually grant us any of our rights. And so this is why... Roe versus Wade was, among other things, uh, was absolutely false at its inception because the court talked about a right that the Constitution doesn't grant because the Constitution doesn't grant any rights. There are certain rights that are enumerated in the Constitution in our Bill of Rights that are the rights that our founders understood based on history and tradition that governments most often infringe. So they specifically enumerated those rights to acknowledge that those are part of the rights that God gave us. They're, they weren't a comprehensive list, but it was, hey, Congress, just in case you aren't clear, these are rights that you cannot abridge and that you can't infringe upon. So if we actually look at the text of the Declaration of Independence, and then we look at the Constitution, the Constitution 
does not grant any individual rights. It grants government on the federal level very specific limited power. And the power that the government on the federal level can legitimately exercise has to be in furtherance of that mandate of the Declaration of Independence to preserve and protect the rights that God gave us. So then federalism is this idea that the government on the federal level can't just use or wield any power that it wants in any given branch or even on any given subject matter. We have a separation of powers on the federal level, the legislative branch, the executive branch, and the judicial branch. But then federalism also tells us that we have a separation of powers on the federal government level and on the state level, and then also to we the people. Yeah, we the people actually have some powers that are reserved to us. What powers are those? Well, not any that are expressly given to the federal government through the U.S. Constitution or given to the state government through the state constitutions. And so some of those things would be parental rights, the ability of parents to direct the uh, the health and upbringing of their own children, to make decisions for ourselves and our families, the right to pursue the American dream, to decide what career we want. I mean, certain other things that the government does not have the power to dictate or decide for us. This is what it means to be self-governed. That we, the people, not only get to select and prefer the leaders that go into elected offices, that by the U.S. Constitution and state constitutions are given specific limited powers, but also that those powers are by definition limited. So where the left is screaming, literally screaming, if you've seen some of these clips on Twitter, follow libs of TikTok, I mean, follow anyone who's covered any of this over the weekend, The leftists are absolutely screaming because they believe that the Supreme Court eradicated a constitutional right. But I would ask them, where do they think that right derives from? Where do they think any rights derive from? Because even if a right is not expressly enumerated in the Constitution, it doesn't have to be. But they make no argument where this so-called right to abortion actually originates. All they want is for the Supreme Court to act in an activist, partisan capacity to compel the entire nation to go along with a leftist agenda. That's not what the Constitution says. And so when Justice Thomas wrote this brilliant concurrence in the Dobbs case, and he talked about revisiting cases all the way back to Griswold versus Connecticut, Lawrence versus Texas, Obergefell versus Hodges, All of these opinions that started in 1965 with Griswold versus Connecticut, the reason that he did that is not specifically because he's commenting on the subject or the outcome of those cases like contraceptives or same-sex marriage. He's, He's not giving an opinion on those. What he's talking about is the difference between procedural and substantive due process. And he's also talking about the weaponizing by the left over the last 50 and 60 years to harness the Supreme Court as an activist majority and find within the lines of the Constitution a so-called right that then the court says that it has jurisdiction to then render an opinion on. That's literally what Griswold versus Connecticut held. That was the first contraception case. And the Supreme Court at that time knew that no authority was given to Congress in the federal government 
to legislate on that issue. Healthcare in general. And I don't at all categorize abortion within the context of healthcare. You all know why. But healthcare, when we're talking about uh, the ability to access things like contraceptives or medicine or anything like that, that is not a subject matter that is given to the federal government to legislate on. And we can look at the plain text of the Constitution in that that is an aspect of federalism, where Article 1, Section 1 says all legislative authority is given to Congress. Article 1, Section 8 tells Congress, here are the very few, there's about 25 different subject matters that Congress has the limited power to regulate. And this was for the purpose of maintaining the entire union. Things, for example, like coining money. You don't want to have the state of Colorado having, you know, Colorado bucks versus the state of Pennsylvania having Pennsylvania coin and having some kind of uh, tariff wars between the two states in terms of uh, having their ability to to transact interstate commerce, to have to have exchange rates, things that are separate for different unique countries and sovereignties. That's why we are a United States of America. But the union recognizes that we do have all of the states as different laboratories of democracy. And so state sovereignty is an inherently critical aspect of federalism. Having the states having different laws, different parameters, different ideas about what they can do under their state and local powers that are given by their state constitutions. And so healthcare in general is not at all a subject matter that Congress can legislate on. The executive can't issue executive orders on it. And therefore, the Supreme Court does not have jurisdiction to tell the states what they can and can't do related to anything regarding um, health care. This is why the Department of Education, for example, is also an unconstitutional agency. In fact, most federal agencies under the executive branch are inherently unconstitutional. Why? Because of federalism. Federalism is the principle that says we only go by what specific limited power is given to the federal government. And the Ninth and Tenth Amendment expressly say that all power that is not textually given to the federal government is reserved to the states or to the people. All right, well, 2022 is going to be a critical year for America. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, along with their nearly 2 million members, the fight to stop out-of-control spending in the president's Build Back Better scheme is far from over, and Congress is plotting more legislation that could hurt our seniors. The midterm elections will be a battle for freedom versus socialism. Unlike liberal groups, AMAC is America's conservative, action-oriented 50-plus organization fighting hard every day here in Washington and across the nation for our seniors. So I'm urging you to choose AMAC now. You will receive all of the great membership benefits, including AMAC discounts on hotels, travels, and restaurants, and your membership will support your conservative values. So go to amac.us forward slash Ellis. That's amac.us forward slash E-L-L-I-S to become an AMAC member now. So when we're talking about a constitutional right, I've said for a long time that phrasing is imprecise and we need to abandon it. We have God-given unalienable rights that are intrinsic aspects of our humanity. 
that the federal government, through specific limited powers to the federal government and the state and local government, is obligated to preserve and protect. So when we look at the Bill of Rights and we look at the specifically enumerated rights that our founders recognized are key unalienable rights that are aspects of our humanity that are God-given. The things like the right to freedom of speech, free exercise of religion, uh, freedom of association, freedom of the press, uh, the right to keep and bear arms in the Second Amendment, the right to procedural due process, like the right uh, to be secure in our persons against, um, uh, against unlawful search and seizure, uh, the right to not be compelled by the government to testify against ourselves in a court setting. All of these things are rights that government most often infringes upon, that the founders did not give to the federal government uh, with their ability to legislate on. So it's just a redundancy protection. And so Congress needs to remember, hey, just in case you weren't clear that Article 1, Section 8 only gives you these specific subject matters that you can legislate on, the Bill of Rights is telling you, hey, remember, you can't. So our rights don't come from our Constitution. Because even if tomorrow somehow we had a constitutional amendment that repealed our Second Amendment, our textual right to keep and bear arms, that wouldn't change the nature of our right as God-given at all. And this is what Alexander Hamilton so perfectly expressed in Federalist 84. And I would encourage everyone to go and read that particular writing because the Federalist Papers are basically uh, the arguments that three very important lawyers at our founding, John Jay, Alexander Hamilton, and James Madison, wrote as an argument to ratify the U.S. Constitution in 1787 as they did. Um, and it was an argument to ratify it in its current form. And so what Alexander Hamilton wrote was that bills of rights in the sense that they are actually uh, argued for and contemplated in the context of our Constitution are actually unnecessary. Because he's saying, why should we restrain and tell uh, the government that they are restrained from infringing on, for example, the freedom of the press when no power is given to Congress by which the freedom of press is, is to be restrained or that, uh, that infringement imposed. And he was absolutely right in that acknowledgement. Now, obviously, because of the absolute disregard and activism that the Supreme Court has shown uh, since 1965 in Griswold versus Connecticut, and even prior to that, I think it was a good idea. And James Madison, ultimately at the Constitutional Convention, overrode that objection from Hamilton. And we did ratify our Bill of Rights, which is our first 10 amendments. That's a great thing. So we aren't having this debate whether or not freedom of speech, for example, is a God-given fundamental right because our Constitution simply acknowledges it. It might be a good idea for the states to get together and ratify some additions to our Bill of Rights to expressly acknowledge the things that are God-given. But what the left can't do is ever, under the mandate of the Declaration of Independence, ever make a coherent argument for why abortion is a God-given right. That's why when our founders acknowledged natural law, when they acknowledged that our rights are God-given, then that's where 
we understand that as human beings made in the image of God, having inherent dignity and worth, we have all of our rights that God has given us. And the government only has specific limited authority by which they are obligated to preserve and protect those rights. And so that's why regulation of abortion, just like regulation of any other criminal activity, is a legitimate purpose of government. And you can look at that in the argument that James Madison made in Federalist 41, when he talked about if men were angels, meaning if we had perfectly moral and upright behavior all the time, then we wouldn't even need governments because we would never infringe upon each other's liberty. We would never go into another person's home, for example, and rob them. We would never perpetuate um, person crimes. We would never have things like rape and murder that we would need to prosecute. But unfortunately, we are fallen as as humans. And the founders recognized the condition of man that we do have to be restrained in terms of Uh, crimes that we perpetuate against each other. And this is why the government is obligated to preserve and protect individual rights so that we can maintain a civil society. And it all works incredibly well if you actually understand the context of the U.S. Constitution. This isn't a document that gives us our rights. It is not like constitutions in other countries that basically say, because you live within a certain national sovereignty, you have given up all your rights, except those that are expressly reserved to you through a Bill of Rights. That's what a Bill of Rights, in the sense that Alexander Hamilton was discussing in 84, Federalist 84, that's what uh, Bills of Rights were intended to do throughout the Middle Ages. When uh, in order to have a landlord's or a sovereign's protection, the people would give up all of their rights for that protection because they lived under that sovereignty. And then a bill of rights was imposed to say, hey, king, or hey, landlord, or hey, sovereign, there are certain things that we aren't giving over. We're reserving certain of our rights and we're textually enumerating those. And what Hamilton was saying is that because we, the people, are the sovereign under God, who is our ultimate sovereign. We give over nothing to our government. It's the complete inverse of how Western civilization and civil societies had operated up until the point of 1776, when the Declaration of Independence was unanimously confirmed by our Congress and why we celebrate the Declaration of Independence, why we celebrate Independence Day, is because for the first time in world history, we were saying, no, government and one petty tyrant or one council of tyrants doesn't get to determine what rights they will deign to give back to us. We are saying we give over nothing. And that's what Hamilton argued in Federalist 84 and why he said the Constitution is a brilliant document in the way that our founders ordained it and established it as our supreme law of the land. And so when the leftists are arguing all of these things and when they are slamming Justice Thomas for saying we need to now go back and revisit all of these opinions, the reason that we have to revisit these opinions is because they were wrong constitutionally the moment in which they were issued. Because they are giving more power to the federal government 
than the United States Constitution actually provides for. There is specific limited power to the federal government, and we are supposed to have a union of states. The United States of America is exactly that. We don't have one centralized, arbitrary authority from Washington and a D.C. Congress that can issue one blanket rule on anything outside of the specific limited power that is given in Article I, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution. And it's like a five-page document. It's really, really short. And the reason for that is because it's very specific on what limited powers are given to Congress in Article I, Section 8, what very limited powers then are given to the executive branch in Article 2, and then the non-political, unbiased branch, the judicial branch, that holds the two political branches accountable. And the amazing thing about the current composition of this U.S. Supreme Court, and I fully credit President Trump for doing this, is for putting originalists on the bench so that they are not making these arbitrary unilateral decisions for the entire country that go against the specific limited power that's given in our Constitution. It's, it's so amazing and brilliant that we are finally restoring through this series of opinions restoring the federal government to being limited. I hope that eventually through the next forthcoming terms of the Supreme Court, that more and more and more power will be taken away from Washington and returned to the people. This was an amazing opinion in Dobbs simply for the sake that Washington in any of its three branches rarely once they get power, return it back to the people. But that's exactly what the majority did in Dobbs. They said, we are returning the power to regulate abortion to the people through their elected representatives. That's federalism. That's exactly what the Supreme Court should have held. And that's exactly why we are celebrating this opinion. So when you see the leftists going out and saying that the Supreme Court eradicated a right or this is terrible now, or any of their other objections. Just say, regardless of what you may think about abortion, this is an inherently moral issue, which Justice Alito, in his majority opinion, acknowledged. Abortion is a moral issue. And the regulation of abortion, the same way that we regulate and punish other types of activities in the states, like other forms of murder, which abortion is murder, other forms of murder, other forms of crimes, and even other forms of conduct um, that are that have civil penalties as well. Just other types of regulations. All law carries an inherently moral aspect to it. And so these are the types of discussions and debates that we need to be having on the state level. And we need to be able to go to our elected representatives in the state legislatures, making these arguments, having these debates and saying abortion needs to be regulated just as strongly and outlawed just as strongly as any other form of intentional murder. And those types of conversations can now be had at the state level because the Supreme Court was willing to recognize that that power is given to the states. So the entire conversation that we need to have is about federalism and recognizing that now, because the law is always inherently moral, 
we need to be focusing as a society and as individual members and citizens of our individual states that we need to be focused on electing representatives in our states that will be willing to have an honest discussion about these issues and legislate accordingly. And we need to make sure that we are looking at the state and local level as extremely so much more important in our elected representatives and our elected governors than we are even in Washington. Because with this current Supreme Court, they are rightly viewing the U.S. Constitution in context And they are saying, we don't have authority here because the Constitution does not give us the limited power in the federal level. It is returned to the people and their elected representatives. And we, the people in our states, need to have elected representatives and a majority of people who understand in our states that it's up to us to self-govern and to look critically at these issues, and to look at them through the lens of not only science, but truth. And as our founder said, we have to hold truth as self-evident, that all men are created equal. They're endowed by God, their creator, with certain unalienable rights. And among these, life is the first one that they put in there, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So the homework for today is go read the Declaration of Independence. Go read the text of the U.S. Constitution. It's very simple, it's very clear, and it's very intentional. The Supreme Court, through so many of its opinions, have completely obliterated all of these very key, very foundational principles, and mainly the principle of federalism. And they have taken words and phrases out of the Constitution, like the Establishment Clause or uh, the right to keep and bear arms, and they've created all of these complicated doctrines around it. But what the Supreme Court majority is now doing is saying, no, we need to go back and revisit those wrongly decided opinions because our oath is to enforcing the U.S. Constitution as the highest law in the land. And the Constitution doesn't give us any of our rights. God himself endows us with all of our rights. And we need to applaud the Supreme Court for holding the two political branches and their own prior precedent to the principle of limited government and what the text of the Constitution actually says. Because otherwise, we would, as conservatives, say, great, we have a conservative majority now. So now let's just rule and legislate from the bench. But we can't do that. I've seen some calls for a federal rule that protects life and says, you know, well, we're going to now federally legislate abortion regulation. Well, that would be unconstitutional for the very same reason the exact opposite is unconstitutional because Article 1, Section 8 gave Congress no authority on that issue. It is a state issue. And we may not like that some states are regulating abortion in a way that we don't prefer, but that's where it's incumbent upon us to go into these states and to make the argument for life and to convince our fellow Americans that we need to regulate abortion like we regulate any other murder. That's on us. That is on we the people. And our founders gave us a great inheritance and blessing of liberty that we have the ability to do that instead of having the shifting majority of nine justices in robes on the Supreme Court or the composition of Congress in Washington 
telling us how to run our lives in our states. If we could get back not only to the separation of powers, but to that principle of a limited government, we would be that much closer to actually having the promise of liberty that our founders endowed for us when they created this beautiful document, the U.S. Constitution, based on the mandate and the recognition of self-evident truth in the Declaration of Independence. We have to be so proud to be Americans because it is up to us, we the people, to make sure that we are allowing our government on the state and local level to regulate sin, to regulate all of these other things that government is obligated to do. Now, we can't step over into the province of the church. There's a difference between crime and sin. Not everything that is a sin should be punishable as a crime under the law and under government, thankfully. But that is where the church authority also needs to step in and start church discipline, which is the mandate for the church for sin. So once we look at all of the principles and the actual text of the U.S. Constitution, it becomes very, very clear. Don't go and be confused by what the leftists are suggesting and they're saying, you know, that abortion is a right. They can't defend where would the right to abortion ever come from? They can't answer that question. That it's not part of a right to privacy. It's not part of a right to health care. It's not part of a right that would be God given in any way, shape or form. Ask the leftists to defend their premise. They can't. We have an argument and we have the only argument that is actually consistent with the founding of this country, the declaration in the U.S. Constitution. And you know what? If the leftists don't like that, well, they can do what they've always threatened to do, move to a different country. They can move to Canada where, you know, Justin Trudeau has said, sure, you have bodily autonomy to choose abortion. But hey, first, we're going to compel you to get the vaccine. Do you want to live under that sort of regime where it's completely arbitrary? What rights the government grants and protects you versus having a clear, predictable law that's in the United States of America that limits our government? I certainly want to live in America that obligates our government to the principle of limited power. I want government power to be limited. And that's not so that you and I can then just go and have a free choice to commit all kinds of crimes. No, because the government rightly should regulate and prevent crime and punish crime where it happens or is attempted. But government still has to maintain its limited power. And government is not responsible, again, for punishing all sin. That's, that's an unfortunate thing that is the difference between a government that is legitimate versus a theocracy. A theocracy would say that the church acts as the government in civil society. That's not at all what our Constitution provides for. That's why there are specific limited powers that have nothing whatsoever to do with church authority, as the Apostle Paul described it in Romans 13. So we could talk about this a lot more, but this has been basically Federalism 101. And if you want to hear the rest of the argument, a more complete argument, and go at your own pace, um, definitely listen to this episode more than once. Um, I'm sure that you'll get more and more out of it as you continue to listen to it. 
But you can also read my book that I published in 2015. It's called The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution. And in that, I actually address the exact same issues that Justice Thomas addressed in his concurrence to Dobbs. I talked about the Griswold versus Connecticut case. I talked about all of those things and why they were inherently wrong at their issuance. And it's because we have to return this country to being under our supreme law of the land, the U.S. Constitution, which is under the mandate of the Declaration of Independence that expressly recognizes the self-evident truth that it's God, our creator, who endows us with our rights, not our government. I'll see you tomorrow. Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust to give you good and patient counsel for investing in your retirement. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed. And when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And when and we are already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the very best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at Legacy PM Invest. Investments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com where you can download the free investor's guide. You can also go to my Facebook page, Jenna Ellis. I am a public figure on Facebook. So go to Legacy Precious Metals at LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-528-1903.